For those who prefer Linux or are simply curious about Linux and other open source technologies, this is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to episode number 293 of Category 5 Technology TV. It's the 30th of April, 2013. Already. Yeah, nice to see you. Good to have you here. We have Category 5 Radio up tonight. Yay! Excellent. So those of you who uh, who want to be able to you know, listen to the show... But you don't want to have to look at us. You don't want to look at us. <laughs> it, it's more like if you're driving... You know, you're driving around town, and, and, you know, it's great to be able to watch your, your favorite show on here, but it's probably not the best idea. So, Jot's got the link there in the chat room. You can also go over to our website, category5.tv, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll have all that there as well. Great to see yes. everybody. Hey, did you know that uh, today marks 20 years since the internet was made free, royalty-free, no and available way. to the public? 20 years today. That seems like such a long time. I know. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, we're going to reminisce about where it's come from. Hard to believe, though. Good. I was there. I was there, people. I didn't know what the internet was I like 20 years ago. Yeah, I know. Not a lot of people did. Yeah. It was kind of new. <laughs> just just saying. Like, it was just a wee babe. Mm-hmm. But my green Buy shirt. Yeah, did I like see my green, green shirt? shirt yeah. I like it. It's very cool. Sparkly. Yeah. You know, like, like in a green kind of non-sparkly yeah. kind of term. We can make it sparkly. Okay. And and green earrings and this is fantastic. That what was actually got, unplanned. Yeah. What do we? What? Yeah, entirely yeah. unplanned. But how do you like that? What do you got coming up? Cool things. Wow. Coming up in the newsroom, a massive hurricane on Saturn has been captured by the Cassini spacecraft. CERN in Switzerland is big in the news this week as they celebrate 20 years of free open internet and their labs. We'll see how anti gravity has been is being tested. Sorry. And when they're not dealing with antimatter, CERN is working on a project to recreate the very first web page. New advertisements could track your eyes while you shop and display ads specific to your interests based on what you're looking at. Stick around. These stories are coming up later in the show. How cool is that? That was awesome. Cool. Wirecast for the win. Uh, Tonight's show, as you may have guessed, is brought to you in part by AdZerk. Uh, They are the next generation of ad serving. And uh, if you've got a website, you might as well monetize it. So check out AdZerk. They can help you with the fastest asynchronous JavaScript ad serving in the world, Mm adzerk.com. We've also got our mobile website uh, is online with Category 5 Radio now, so you can just listen to the show. Uh, So if you're driving around, go over to m.cat5.tv. You'll be able to actually listen to the live broadcast um, so that you're not distracted by the visuals. Because the visuals, as you saw, you know, with chroma key and everything, are something to behold. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you never know. You never know. And Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Welcome to Artivision. Also, J.S. Fagan 2 and E. Brona joining us. Uh, brand new viewers Welcome. registered on our website at Category5.tv. Tons of benefits to registering on Category5.tv. Uh, we're going to take a really quick break, and then I want to show you the latest feature that we've added to our website. Uh, so stick around. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Cool. At EcoAlkalines, we believe you should be able to trust your batteries not just here, but here, here, and here. But with one exception, you should also be able to trust your batteries here. 
EcoAlkalines are the world's first and only certified carbon-neutral battery manufactured to the highest standards of recycling and quality, without any trace amounts of harmful chemicals like mercury, lead, or cadmium. EcoAlkalines provide performance that rivals leading national alkaline battery brands at a comparable price. Find out more about the EcoAlkalines difference. EcoAlkalines.com yeah. This is <laughs> this is Category 5 Technology TV. Hey, check out our website, www.category5.tv. And on that website, we've got a really cool new feature. You may have read about it on my blog, baldnerd.com. Uh, but what I'm going to show you here is uh, something that's, that's new and uh, I think exciting. If you go into the show notes of our show, so that's any episode of Category 5 Technology TV, you'll see that the video starts playing and all that. What's one of the things that's tough about uh, a show such as Category 5 Technology TV, it's really, you know, it's a one-hour show. You want to send a, a very specific thing to uh, to a friend or family member that, you know, okay, maybe, right. we, maybe we touched on something that they really need to see or maybe it will help them with their computer problem. Um, so all you have to do now, because before you'd have to send them a full one-hour video uh, or if, if you were lucky, maybe the, the feature made it onto linuxtechshow.com, but you'd have to basically tell them, okay, here's a one-hour video started at about 36 minutes into right. the show and hope for the best. Uh, I'm going to show you something really, really neat. Now, as you're watching the show, you'll see down at the bottom of YouTube, uh, which is the, the embedded player here, like here it's 16 minutes and 26 seconds, 27 seconds. So let's say that's where the feature was starting. So I can just pause the video. So that's at 16.30. So make note of that on the left-hand side, 16.30. Now all you have to do is up in your address bar for this page... All we got to do is add slash 1630 with a colon in the middle. So 16 minutes, 30 seconds. So if I send that link now to somebody, it's actually going to start the video at the 16 minute and 30 second mark. You'll see where it, where it started there. Whoa. Yeah. Super cool. Just to demonstrate that, let's make it a different number. Uh, let's make it 2530. I don't know where that's going to land us in the show. And you'll see that it's actually started at 25.30. So now you've got a way to actually send Category 5 Technology TV very, very specific points in the broadcast, mm -hmm. be able to send those to your family, friends, loved ones. Post them on your blog if we say something and it uh, you know, is, is in line with what you're saying on a blog entry or something. There's a cool way to, to be able to link to us. Cool. New feature. That's really cool. Tonight we're going to be uh, we're going to be dealing with a ton of viewer questions. I was so happy to look at the mailbag this week and see just yeah, there's a, a lot in a there, huge amount of questions. So mm -hmm. we we're looking at the topics this week, and uh, oh, I think it's time to deal you know to address some of your viewer questions and make sure we get through some of those. And a lot of you realize that uh, Sasha Dermatis was uh, was meant to be on this week. She does extend her regards, and she was thinking that uh, she was really hoping to be able to make it. Unfortunately, work. Uh, her other work has uh, has conflicted with her volunteer work here, uh, and uh, we miss her tonight. But thank you, Krista, for. You'll just in. have to put up with me. Sorry, just folks. Have to put up with her. Yeah, not so bad. Not so bad. We always have fun. Mm-hmm. Not too shabby. <laughs> I I think back. I want to think back a little bit because tonight's a, a reasonably big deal in that you know CERN is looking back at the past 20 years of the internet. Mm -hmm. And I thought we'd sort of do the same because 20 years ago today, basically the decision was made to take this thing that they had cr created basically and called the internet and the web and mm -hmm. said, okay, let's, let's actually release this as something that is free for people to use. And then that opened up everything mm -hmm. for, for what we have today. My first experience with the internet was like was before the internet. So bulletin board systems. I know a lot of you at home were involved with uh, you know BBSing and and FidoNet and things like that. Do you know what that is? Is that before your time? I can't say I know what that is. <sighs> I ran my very first BBS. Okay, so let's back it up because we need to we need to teach here because Krista doesn't even know what I'm talking about. A bulletin board system, right? So uh -huh. back then computers had um, there was no internet. Mm -hmm. So how do we communicate? Email was a very, very different thing because now you send an email and it's pretty much instantaneous. Back then it was kind of an ad hoc thing. So 
if I if I was in Barry, say I would set up my bulletin board system, which is a computer, a hobbyist computer. So you've got to be really committed to the cause. You'd build a computer. You'd put DOS on it. You'd put Teleguard on it, or Renegade, or something like that software right. to run this bulletin board system. So then people would dial into your computer mm-hmm. with their modem. So they'd call the phone number with their modem, and it would connect. They'd have high ASCII characters come up on the screen in the form of boxes and graphics to try to make it look good. There were things like door games and very, very rudimentary stuff. Right. And if I send an email, here's the crazy thing. If I was lucky enough to be a bulletin board that was associated with FidoNet, Mm -hmm. this is kind of an overseeing uh, group of bulletin board services that were interconnected. If I had that, which I did, um, people would log into my BBS because it was a local call for them. Okay. <laughs> right? There's no this. Getting on a website halfway across the world was not heard of. It was getting onto the local bulletin board ser- service. I'd send you an email. Let's say you're somewhere else. Okay. Okay. So, I don't know, pick a spot, Saskatchewan. Ooh, there. that's You just happen far. to be. Yeah. Okay. So, you're far, right? So, I would go into my bulletin board service, log in locally through my modem, which would be really, really slow. Mm-hmm. Create a new email, put in your email address, and send you an email. Then I'd start working around on the bulletin board and playing door games, which were really cheesy text-based games, you okay. know, role-play games that were like, would you like to t- turn left or right? And you would type in right, mm-hmm. enter. And then, oh, you, uh, you know, choose your own adventure kind of stuff. Some of them were a little better than that. But um, so then when I'm all done my session. It's reminiscing. Yeah, I am. Sorry, go ahead. Think about this. Just think about this in the con- <laughs> like comprehend this in the w- with the way the internet is now. So then I'm done. Mm-hmm. I log off. It now frees up the phone line oh, of that phew. BBS service. So now the BBS service says, "Oh, that guy just sent an email." Jeez. So it then <laughs> dials to the next BBS computer, which is a local call, which might be across, mm-hmm. the, across town, and then it dials to that. It uploads the email, and then the next one, it hangs up, it dials the next one, and it takes da- like sometimes days for the email to ad hoc all the way out to Saskatchewan. Wow. Each of these computers would send it through. So I could just be time. sitting there going, Robbie's supposed to send something. Why hasn't he responded? <laughs> No text messaging, no, because the whole idea was being able to do it all without long-distance calling. Oh, super convenient. Yeah, like I could have called into the BBS in Saskatchewan and sent you an email instantly, but then i got to pay long-distance. And imagine, okay, the speeds are, what's what's the speed of your internet right now? I don't know. A couple of megs a second, at least. Uh, We were dealing with, uh, well, my first modem was 1,200 baud which is 2.4 kilobits per second. Ooh, that's like snails. Yeah. A little snail piece. Think about a one gig video at 2.4 <laughs> kilobits a second. It's still sending. Oh, boy. <laughs> months and months and months. If it ever gets there, because it would drop carrier, somebody would pick up the phone, mom and pick up the phone and try to oh, make a call. You ruined it. You're on the internet again? The Fidonet yeah. again? <laughs> we didn't even have multitasking back then. Windows, Linux, Mac OS. Mm-hmm. You can open three, four, five, ten different applications. You take for granted that you open your browser, you open uh, the GIMP or Photoshop or whatever, and you've got mm-hmm. all these things going on all at once. We didn't have that. Right. There's one program running on your computer at any given time. That was it. So then DeskView came along. Some of you remember that. And DeskView allowed us, people who were running bulletin board services, to multitask in a very, very rudimentary way. So we could have... Um, we could have things running, uh, our bulletin board service running, and still be able to use our computer. Mm-hmm. Drumstick meshing. We had TSRs, which is true. TSRs are terminate and stay resident applications. So things that would you'd run and they'd run in the background, and you could keep doing other things. Um, but it was a very very interesting time. Then <coughs> modems started getting better and better. Right, we got the fourteen point four. Uh, mm-hmm. Modems. We had the 9600s. Uh, I don't know. I mean, 28.8 kilobit per second, 28.8. Then the 56K came out, and it was revolutionary. 
that's the speed of it, 56 kilobits per second, and this was an exciting thing. Super fast. But because as the 56K and the and and the V90s came out and, and compression, now we were getting speeds of up to, I don't know, 40 kilobits a second if we were lucky. Mm-hmm. Some of us would get 60 kilobits if we had a really Ooh. good connection. Those old U.S. robotics modems that sat serial connected to your computer and made all that terrible noise as they're connecting. Yeah, the ISA cards and... All that kind of old junk. Some of us still have laying around, I'm sure. An XT computer with an ISA card. There you go. Uh, but then uh, my last experience. Okay, this leads up to the internet, I promise you. We're getting there. My last experience with BBSing was when RoboBoard came out. Because I was transitioning from Teleguard to RoboBoard. Because they we had better speed now. No longer did we have to be text only. RoboBoard came out in 92 mm-hmm. and was the first ever graphical user interface bulletin board service. Remember, there were no websites. It was, it was providing a service that was in place of internet because there was no such thing. And then, of course, 93 was when internet came along to the, to the public consumer. So Renegade, mm-hmm. uh, all of these kind of became a thing of the past. So... All of a sudden, RoboBoard became competition with the internet, and of course, was very quickly killed off by the internet. So, what a sad story! I know, but those were the days. And now you send an email, you take for granted it's just going to get there. I mean, it's I true. Guess. Yeah. My first experience wasn't nearly as uh, dramatic or lengthy. Well, I kind of saw the internet birthed. I mean, I was there building its baby building blocks, the BBSs, and and building FidoNet with my friends. And, Mm. you know, she's like, oh, yeah, that's so lame. (laughs) said a lot of things I don't understand in that whole little story. Yeah. But some of you you know what I'm talking about. And it's like, oh, yeah, Telegard, Renegade, yeah. Nostalgic. Awesome. And RoboBoard and, and DeskView are just two of those pieces of software that just changed the world. And people don't even know what it is anymore. Right? I don't know what it is. She doesn't know what it is. You can play back the video. I explained it already. I'll listen when I play it back. Yeah. What was your first experience with the internet? I just remember my, my dad got internet and he was hooking everything up and he was so excited and said, Krista, do you, do you want to come check this out? And I was like... Okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't know how old it was, like maybe grade six or something. Oh, he's yeah. like, what website do you want to go to? I was like... There were only three to choose from. I don't know. There was no Google. And he's like, how about, for one. how about Disney? I was like, okay. So we sat there for 20 minutes and the website or the webpage kind of finally came up. Yeah, literally. And that was pretty much it. No that's graphics. That's all I really kind of remember. Text-based at that time? Mm-hmm. Was it text-based? No, there were some pictures. Some pictures. Probably GIF pictures. Probably. Really low, like pixelated Probably. Kind of things, yeah. That's all I remember. And then it became awesome. Just like that. Because people like Krista got involved in the graphical design end of the of the uh, internet. It got faster. Speed is everything. Mm-hmm. Because with the internet now, it's like even everything that we do on our website, if we didn't have the kind of speed that you need in order to be able to watch this video, what would it wouldn't exist, right? So as internet gets faster and faster, what's going to happen? What are we going to see? I mean, video is just going to become full 1080p HD, maybe 4K through the internet. That's crazy. No problem. Yeah, big improvements on hardware, good guy. Huge, huge changes. What uh, What was your first experience with the internet? We'd love to hear your comments. Make sure you, you send us your comments. You can actually post your comments on our website, category5.tv. Find the show notes for episode number 293. And uh, we'd love to have you comment there uh, after the after that's posted. So mm-hmm. we'd love to to see you commenting on our website through you know Google Plus or Facebook is fine too, or pop us an email live at category five TV. Before we move on to to news, because I know we've got some exciting news stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever. Well, I guess you know what we can we could probably get into that. Are I know you we've sure? Got, well, I was just thinking we've got so many viewer questions. We've we've had so many of your questions come in. Um. Yeah, I, I hear. I see where you're going with this. You positive? I I, I understand. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, step on anyone's toes no, or anything. No, you know, let's 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 dedicate the rest of the show to our viewers. Okay. And to the questions. So I'll read. I'll read super fast. Sounds good. Okay. Here we go. Here are the top stories from the Category Five TV newsroom. An enormous hurricane raging 
at Saturn's North Pole has nigh 2,000 kilometers or 1,250 miles across, big enough to cover the UK 12 times over. Ooh, it's a striking images mm. of the stormer snap from a height of 420, 420,000 kilometers, which is 260,000 miles, by the Cassini air spacecraft, which arrived at Saturn in 2004. They were captured in red and infrared wavelengths and have been false colored to show detail. Scientists say the hurricane's winds reached a staggering 150 miles per second, uh, 330 wow. miles per hour, but they do not know just how long the storm has been brewing. So basically, we're not moving to Saturn anytime soon. Folks. I guess not. Yeah. Gotta wait for the storm to pass. No one wants to move in a storm. <laughs> Researchers at CERN in Switzerland, Switzerland have proved the merits of a way to test antimatter as the source of the long postulated anti gravity. Antimatter particles are the mirror image of normal matter, but with opposite electric charge. How antimatter responds to gravity remains a mystery. However, it may fall up rather than down. Ooh. Now researchers mm. reporting in Nature Communications have made strides towards finally resolving that notion. Antimatter presents one of the biggest mysteries in physics in that equal amounts of matter and antimatter should have been created at the universe's beginning. Yet when the two meet, they destroy each other in what is called annihilation, turning into pure light. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Really. I wouldn't read this incorrectly in life. <laughs> mm -hmm. Why the universe we see today is made overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly of matter with only tiny amounts of antimatter has prompted a number of studies to try to find some difference between the two. Tests at CERN's LHCB experiment and elsewhere have been looking for evidence that exotic particles decay more often into matter than antimatter. I'm guessing as it has to do with the, with the parallel universe. Oh, yeah. you're guessing? I think there's probably a universe of antimatter. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of and universes do you think there are? Oh, well, I mean. That's another day. Another yeah. story, another day. There are just so many universes. <laughs> One of them just filled with antimatter. Yeah, that would be problematic if there was an equal amount of antimatter just floating around. <laughs> Easy way to get rid of clutter. Mm. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> just take a vial of antimatter and just splash it on garbage and exactly whatever. what's this Done. here for yeah but imagine how much your stuff would be gone if becca had had a oh boy. hold of that yeah this would be a pretty empty room another computer <laughs> antimatter it antimatter good gun. idea i'm actually Sounds liking where this is like going excellent idea <laughs> yeah i can't wait mm -hmm. to see what they discover <laughs> excellent mm-hmm on April 30th, 1993, CERN published a statement that made World Wide Web technology available on a royalty-free basis, allowing the web to flourish. A team, of, or a team at the European Organization for Nuclear Research, CERN, has launched a project to recreate the first web page. The aim is to preserve the original hardware and software associated with the birth of the web. The World Wide Web was developed by Professor Sir Tim Berners-Lee while working at CERN. The initiative coincides with the 20th anniversary of the Research Center giving the web to the world. For more details on the historic restoration project, you can visit first-website.web.cern.ch. Yeah, the internet has come a long way, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. There you go. First website ever. Oh, it's too flashy. Ooh, yeah. Too many underlines. The animation and the blue uh, with the white on the and the black. That's edgy. <laughs> I like it. Mm. Mm -hmm. An advertising system which is able to track your eye, movement, eye movements while you shop has been created by researchers based at Lancaster University. The Sideways Project uses software to locate faces and eye movements of shoppers captured on camera. It could allow for video screens which change ads depending on what you look at in a shop. The team told the BBC they hoped the technology would be in use in shops within five years. Wow. Neat. Get the full stories at category5.tv slash newsroom. The category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash with contributions by our community of viewers. If you have a news story you think is worthy of honor or mention, you can email us at newsroom at category5.tv for the category5.tv newsroom and Crystal Wells. Thanks, Krista. Tonight's show is brought to you in part by Netflix, cat5.tv slash Netflix. Uh, you can get your free one-month trial there. 
Also, NetTalk, now offering unlimited text messaging. Eliminate the need for a wireless text plan from your cell phone provider. Upgrade your NetTalk Duo account with the NetTalk text plan. For the cost of a couple of cups of coffee per month, you'll receive unlimited texting throughout the United States and uh, Canada. Check out cat5.tv slash phone and start saving money today. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. I'm Chris Wells. Category5.tv is where you want to go, and you can get your emails into us at live at category5.tv. Uh, we're going to do our best, I think, to, to get through as many of these as we possibly can tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, once in a while, we do this viewer question extravaganza when the ma- mailbag comes in and uh, is uh, overly full for the mm-hmm. week. So we're going to do our best to get through it. So thank you very much, everybody, for sending in your questions. Without further ado. Let's get started. Here is our first question from Greg. He says, hey, Greg. can you recommend utilities to quickly assess the performance of a machine? Ideally, it would be live CD or bootable USB that could test CPU speed, memory performance, <laughs> drive throughput, video performance, yep. and perhaps other critical components. My goal is to compare system, systems and determine, det- oh my goodness, determine which ones <laughs> go to the recycler. Okay. Whew. Hmm. Well, the first thing that comes to mind automatically is going to be Ultimate Boot CD. Uh, let me just look up the URL of that. Ultimate Boot CD is is basically a, it is what you would think from the name. It is a boot CD that is the ultimate, ultimate of all boot CDs. It's even got that fancy word rainbow at the top there, so you know it's good. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that gradient. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Okay. The official explanation of Ultimate Boot, Ultimate Boot CD. It is completely free for download, or you can, or it can be obtained for a small fee. Perfect. If you had somewhere... Oh, that's, that's just a disclaimer. All right. Let's see. UltimateBootCD.com. It tells you all about it. It's kind of... Speaking of old-looking websites like the, <laughs> from 1992, 1993... Yeah. This looks like one of them. It does. Uh, but the software itself, the collection itself, is exceptional. You see what comes with it? I mean, BIOS tools, okay? CPU tools. Do stress tests and find out how fast your CPU is. Hard drive and boot management. Data recovery. Uh, device info and management. Diagnostics. Disk cloning. Um, I'm just scrolling up a bit just to see what is there. One of the things that I'm wondering is, you know, this is just a huge assortment of stuff, right? So let's see if we do a control F for download. Watch out for the ads at the top. You don't want to accidentally click. See, those are all ads there. There it is on the left-hand side, this red box over here. Download UBCD. That stands for Ultimate Boot CD. Sorry for the, the convoluted nature of their website, <laughs> uh, but hopefully you'll be able to, to see what it is here. So the Boot CD is just a basic text mode boot up, and when you boot into Ultimate Boot CD, it gives you all these different options. It really is, you know, it's something that should be in every technician's toolkit. It's something that you really do need to have. And you'll see on this download site, I can find it really, really easily. There they are. There are ISO files here and many different ways that you can download it. MD5 sums, all that stuff. Other one that comes to mind is called Farinix Test Suite. Uh, I would think that that may be, I'm not sure if it actually comes on uh, Ultimate Boot CD. I'll just verify that just before I, no, it doesn't look like it. I'm just doing, uh, yeah, just a control F doesn't look like it. So I'm going to go to farinxtestsuite.com, I think. Nope. See if I can find it. Oh, Forenix, I believe it was. Yes, that's it. Sorry, I was mispronouncing it because then that caused me to misspell it. There we go. Forenix Test Suite, uh, automated open source testing framework. So this one can be just simply installed on any system. So you can you can throw this on your Mac, on your Windows computer, or on a Linux computer. You can you can do whatever you want. I believe it's even in the repositories, and if not, let's see how easy it is to get this for you. So here's an official uh, release, 4.4, and a development release. We're going to stay away from development releases because usually with um, something like a, a benchmark and uh, hardware, like something that works so close with the hardware, I, I personally won't recommend that you uh, at home start with a development release. 
just in case there's something that you know could cause some problems. There is a Debian and Ubuntu package, so that's pretty awesome. Let's see what's under there. Oh, it's just a Deb pack. So that's awesome. You can just run it. Um, so let's do it. Let's see what happens. Fairnix, uh, Fornix test suite. Um, install the package. Should be pretty easy and good to go. And it's been a while since I've used that. I, I think it may be PTS is the command to get it to run. We'll just verify. So that just installs it. Nice and easy. So two options for you. Ultimate Boot CD and uh, Forenix Test Suite. I'll post the links for both of those in the show notes for episode number 293. Uh, we've got a lot of questions to get through tonight, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to show you how to use Forenix uh, Test Suite. And I'm not, I, I, I would have to re refresh myself, I think, um, anyways. Mm -hmm. But on their website, there is documentation. Uh, real quick and simple documentation up at the top, okay? And, uh, oh, and there it is. It's actually literally for an X test suite list tests. So go there. Rather than me giving you a tutorial on, you know, re refreshing myself and then showing you how to use this, uh, this, is the, this is all screenshots and shows you exactly how to run some benchmarks and everything. Um, so that's another excellent, excellent tool. Uh, really can, you know, we can stand by that, but uh, there you go. Hopefully that will help you out. Good. And then, uh, yeah, just look at uh, look at each system and, and see what's going on and what uh, what's good and what's bad. Let us know how it works for you, all right? Thanks for the question. All right. Here's one from M. Allen West. Hey, M. Allen West. Hello, Robbie. I've been using Fogger in Ubuntu, but I haven't been able to get the Flash plugin to work on it. I was able to find a website that says how to install it. However, the tar.gz was not found. Any help would oh, be no. great. Thanks to all the cool Category 5 team. Category 5. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Clever. And here's a link here for you. Okay, I'm going to pull up uh, the link here. M. Allen West. Okay. Let's grab this. And let's take a look at what uh, what he's actually coming up against here. Okay, so a tutorial to help get Flash working working in f Fogger. Now, I'll be straight up honest with you, M. Allen West, that I am not uh, familiar with Fogger. I think it was uh, like kind of like a Prism kind of thing, wasn't it, where you can run uh, websites as if they're applications. But what I can do is I can help you understand what's going on here. So. Let's look at what, what the fix is. And basically, okay, they're telling you to make a folder called Fogger Flash Fix and then go into that folder. Uh, and it's going to be in your home folder. So then it W gets this, and this is the only tar.gz file that I see here. So I'm guessing that that's what you're talking about, that that is actually dead. So let's paste it in here. Yeah, not found. You'll see that the link to that tar file is gone. So what we can do, okay, looking at this, that's the step you're getting stuck on. wget, which is download this file, it says. But that file's gone. It could be an old version, or maybe it's linking. I don't know why it's on macromedia.com, uh, for example. And then it's untarring it. And then what is it doing? It's making a directory and then moving the or copying the uh, libflashplayer.so file into that directory. So we can do all these things as long as we have that tar file. But the problem is literally just this line. We can't get that tar file because it doesn't exist. So what we're going to do instead, remembering that uh, that Flash is Adobe's product, we'll go to um, let's just go player download. Let's try that. Install Adobe Flash Player at get.adobe.com/flashplayer. That sounds promising. There we go. Okay. If you end up on the Adobe website, just go up to download up here, and then Adobe Flash Player. It's going to take you to the same place at adobe.com. So then we want to choose, what do we want to go with? The tar.gz for other Linux, because that's the one that it's telling you to, to wget, right? So we're not going to wget it. We're just going to go download now. And let's open it. And what will we see inside of that file is that very file that you're looking for, the libflashplayer.so. So with this file now downloaded through your web browser, you could 
recreate the steps that are here. So we could just extract that file using uh, file roller, which I've brought it up in already. Just extract that file. You're not going to be able to extract it to there because this requires super user access, which is why there's a sudo command here. Uh, but you could extract that file to your home folder and then follow all the commands from here forward. And that will do the, sa it will do the same thing. So if that's the only problem, then uh, I would say that, that, should, uh, that should get you by. So give it a go. Let us know. Good. Make it look so easy. I, I don't even, I don't know a thing about, about it. Oh, so it could have been a waste of time. Could have been. Oh, well, we'll go on to the next one. <laughs> Maybe we'll know something about this one. Here is one from John. Hello, Robbie oh, yeah, F. and the cast of crew and crew of Cat5. I just had a question about your last episode. Okay. If I feel that I've received an email that is a phishing scam, would there be any clue in the full headers of the email that may help to determine hmm. its legitimacy? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. But they're very, very... One thing that we've stressed on the show is that they're very s scammers, people who are trying to trick you with phishing scams they're very good at uh, at spoofing mm -hmm. and tricking you spoofing is a technique that allows me or you or a hacker or a fisher to pretend that there's somebody else that can involve spoofing headers so the headers themselves are not a de facto oh yeah this header is fake it, because they can make it look really really convincing um, there, there are some advanced techniques to, to trying to figure out where an email actually originated from and whether or not it was the actual mail server of the, the provider. Um, really, I think it's going to come down to um, looking at the body of the email, um, just being smart about it. It's, it's a tough call, though, because they're very good at tricking you. In fact, I received one. I wonder if I can just bring it up on the screen. I received one this week, and I was impressed, <laughs> i got to say. I wonder if I can find it here just really, really quickly. If I can find it quickly, then I'll show you it. There it is. Okay. I got an email which... I've talked about this. We've talked about how you could get an email that looks like it's from PayPal or something. Yeah. I received one. Look at this. This one actually looks really, really good. It does. So it came into my inbox, and it says, you sent payment for 149.49 to this person uh, for... The silver dial chrono steel watch. Now, oh, I, just what you always wanted. Oh, sweet. Okay, so <laughs> of course, what am I going to do? I'm going to say I didn't buy that, and so you know, well, if you click. didn't, you have 45 days from the date of the transaction to open a dispute in the resolution center. Pay, click here, PayPal.com/help. What is that actually linking to? WeddingStudios.com/wp/content/plugins/akismet/wp/status and a bunch of other stuff. Hmm. You see that down at the bottom left? Remember the technique that we've shown you before? Oh, well, paypal.com slash help. It looks legit, right? So right-click on it. Go copy link location. Bring up your text editor. This could be Notepad in Windows. This could be gedit on GNOME. It could be whatever. Paste in. Look, that's not PayPal at all. It's this long, crazy thing because it's a phishing scam. So I don't need the headers to see that, but look at how real that does look. Right? And maybe the headers would show me a little bit more. Um... Let's look at the source of that. Here, here's what you're talking about, the headers. Now, of course, I can tell from the email address that that's not coming from PayPal, right? Um, you can tell a whole bunch of different things about this. Received from tvgawex.pl, so we know that that's not PayPal. So yeah, there, there are certain things in the header that are gonna tip you off, but you'll notice that I already knew before I ever got to that point, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that this was a scam. Mm -hmm. Right, But yeah, the headers could give you a little more information, but keep in mind if they're really good, they're even going to spoof that. The headers are going to be hard to tell. So. Right. So just be careful. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Here is one from... Oh, Jot, I, I'll just expand on that. Jot is just saying in the chat room, good point. Now, I've right-clicked on an email link. Um, to copy it to my clipboard and see that it's not legitimate. But if I wasn't sure, let's say it's a case where Twitter has said, you need to log into your account in order to secure your account so it doesn't get deleted. Mm -hmm. 
don't even touch that email. But what Jod is saying and what I, I agree with, just go to twitter.com, log in the way that you normally do, and then you're going to know. Uh, we've had it happen right. here in the studio. I'm, I think uh, Heather's seen this before as well, I believe, where you get an email. And so what's the smart thing to do is to actually log in through your normal course of action. I log into my PayPal account and I see, oh, I didn't actually pay for a watch. There's no transaction mm-hmm. there. Yeah, no big so, deal. Just delete. And- yep, delete. Done and done. Marcus spam forwarded on to spam assassin or something crazy like that. All right. Thanks, yeah. folks. Thanks, Trot. It's a question from Jimbo. Hey, Jimbo. Hi there. I loved how on last week's episode you brought back the fire effect from Beryl. Beryl? Uh, Beryl. Yep. The Beryl project. He says... I love it too. I installed Point Linux from episode 290 but can't figure out how to turn it on. How did you get that working? Ah, uh-huh. sure. Okay, well, on, on that episode 290, I believe, uh, if that's correct, um, yeah. uh, we actually showed how to install Point Linux, how to get... Um, there's a couple of packages there. There was a, a Point Linux-specific um, uh, Compiz package, which gives you a lot of the Compiz stuff. Then there was Compiz Plugins Extra, which gives you some more stuff. If you've got all that stuff installed as per episode 290, then I'll show you what you need to do. Because we've already been through how to get Compiz Config Settings Manager and all that. So I already have it installed, and you do too. I'm going to bring that up. <clears throat> Watch this. I'm going to just do a quick search for animations. And out of the box, animations add-on is going to be turned off. And if that's turned off, all of the effects that you have, so close animation, I've got it set to burn, you're going to have a very, very small list there. Because without the animations add-on, I'll show you. Okay, I'm going to turn that one off. Animations add-on. Now when I click on animations and I go to close animation, you'll see that there's really nothing there. There's no burn. And that's what I think that's exactly what's happening to you. So close that, go back, turn on the animations add-on plugin, then go into animations and you'll see that here I am on close animation, close effect is burn, and I, I can set that to any number of things. So now when I close a window, usually what I do is I just bring up a, you know, a terminal or something. If I close it, it burns itself away. So that's one effect. I can also do things like you know a paper airplane or something, so do it again. There you go. Yeah, so you just kind of play around, and, and I like things like the, the Trek kind of effect of the, the beam up that you see there when I open a window. There it is when I close it. Um, and, of course, like you say, burn is kind of one of those things that is classic to the old barrel project when uh, comp is originally forked and became comp is and barrel. Then barrel is gone. Comp is fusion became the amalgamation of the two. And now they're kind of becoming a thing of the past, but Point Linux brings it back to us and puts it back on our, our Linux desktop just the way that we love it. So nice to see those things again. To be honest with you, I love having those back. So thank you very much for the email. I hope that helps. Um, let's see. What more you got for me? I got lots. All right. Um, I don't know who this one's from. Okay. But how do I connect my Android tablet to my laptop using an HDMI cable? I connected my tablet to the TV using an HDMI, HDMI cable. It yes. is working good, but I cannot <clears throat> connect my laptop. My laptop is a Toshiba C850. I want to share my tablet screen to the laptop screen. Is mm-hmm. it possible? Well, here's the thing. When you plug it into your TV, your TV has an HDMI input, but your laptop has an HDMI output. Oh. So the laptop you can plug into the TV. The tablet you right. can plug into the TV, but both of those are outputs. So if you take the cable right. from the tablet and plug it into the laptop, you're actually you could cause damage because they're both Outputting. outputs, and it's a digital signal and it's got a lot of power to it. Um, so and I, I've broken things that way, to be honest. What you need to do is uh, let's see if I can find the device. I'm going to recommend that you, uh, and you're going to have to spend money to do this because uh, HDMI capture is not free. Um, if you really want to be able to do it. Uh, we're going to look for a Blackmagic Intensity, um, not the Pro, because the Pro is the PCI Express. It's called the Shuttle, and it's available in USB 2.0 or 3.0 um, in Thunderbolt, depending on your device. So I'm going to show you how to find that. We've got a, a hot link to one of our sponsoring stores, so I'd encourage you to use this anytime that you want to. 
purchase any kind of electronics or whatever. Cat5.tv slash BH. Okay, that's going to take you right over to B&H Photo Video. They're an excellent store. We actually buy a lot of our stuff here at the studio from them. Uh, even, you know, simple things like, like you see this blick, uh, blick, brick wall behind us, right? Like all, all this kind of stuff comes from B&H. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, a real brick wall. It's not. We can actually, we can fold it up and put it in a bag and take it elsewhere. And we've done that before mm-hmm. for photo shoots and things. Um, which is pretty awesome, uh, and that's all from B&H. And B&H is a great shop, uh, whether you're into photography, videography, if you want to set up a home studio, if you want to go all out and do a, a professional rig, that's the place to go. The reason that I suggest you use cat5.tv slash BH, um, you're going to go there anyway. You're going to get great prices. They have exceptional service, but every time you buy using that, that code, it's actually going to, uh, they're going to actually donate some money back to Category 5 TV, and every little bit helps here at the studio. We're all volunteers, and, and if that's a way that you can support us uh, indirectly, then that, uh, I would encourage you to do that, and we appreciate that very, very much. So going over there, I'm just going to use the search function here, and I'm going to type in Blackmagic Intensity Shuttle. Yeah, you could probably get away with just intensity shuttle or something. And there you go, $189 for the USB version, USB 3. Keep that in mind. It's not going to be backward compatible because it has way too much data coming in. Or Thunderbolt if you've got a Mac or a PC that has Thunderbolt connection. So let's say we want to go with the cheaper models, USB 3, 189.05. And what that does is it actually gives your laptop computer through USB 3.0, HDMI, as well as composite component S-Video, Uh, analog connectors. So it has the digital and it has the analog as well. And that's probably going to be the best way for you to go when it comes to getting uh, uh, HDMI video into your laptop uh, because it's economical and it works really, really well. Um, Those are, you know, Blackmagic creates some of the best capture devices. And then you just have to have a piece of software that will just let you blow it up full screen if you want, if that's what you're hoping to do. Cool. So, which you can just use the included software, I'm sure. Good. Hope that helps. Uh, here's one from oops, uh, Ronnie Dean. Hey, Ronnie. Hi, Robbie. We have put together a video studio here in Tennessee. We nice. are using Wirecast and will be broadcasting a live weekly show on our YouTube channel soon. Wonderful. We have watched many of your videos and those of all others also. Thanks for the great info. Yeah, you're very welcome. Here's the question. What camera are you using for the backstage pass view you mentioned in your studio tour video published on April 20th, 2012? Can you give me a link to where I can get one? Isn't that funny? It's literally a year ago, a year and 10 days that we published that. Wow. Um, Okay. At that time, we were using this bad boy. If I can get it over here. Oh, this looks tricky. Yeah. Heather can see that, so we'll we'll post that in for you. <laughs> this uh, this camera is just a uh, I don't know a Sony Handycam, and I'm not recommending that you go that route necessarily. Mm-hmm. What's handy about that? It's it's SD, so very very low quality, 720 by 480 resolution. Okay, so okay. you're talking DVD quality as opposed to HD. Honestly, the reason we used that was just economical we had it and right. backstage pass is a camera that people can switch to the behind the scenes video at any time throughout the live show it's kind of cool as a you know f- fun kind of thing for the viewers but it's really just the cheapest c- camera that we have laying around i would say you know it, it i wouldn't go that route i would instead you know pick up a uh, an hd microsoft life cam studio yeah something like that and then that's going to give you much better quality for cheaper we had that laying around. It was our old old broadcast camera. We don't use it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just a cheap webcam would do it for you. And then uh, we set up a secondary feed on Ustream, and then we I wrote a piece of software using jQuery that just allows people to switch between the two cameras by themselves. And we never pump any audio through Backstage Pass because then they'd have two feeds of audio going. Um, so the audio always comes from the main camera. The video can come from both. So, huh. Hope that All makes right. sense. So don't don't look at what we used. That was just because that was what we had kicking around, mm-hmm. and we still use it once in a while just to have an extra shot. But because of the quality, the lack of quality of it, seven twenty by four eighty, this one here, just to give you an idea. I mean, these are about you know, they're they're under eighty bucks, easy when they're on sale. They're even less than that. Uh, Cat five TV slash cam, I believe you'll find them there. Um, those ones are 
uh, a full 19, what is it, 1920 by 1080? I think that's right, something like that. Anyway, it's full 1080p, so can't go wrong. Even if you run it in 720p mode, it's excellent. And they also have the threading for uh, tripods. So. Always good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thanks for watching the show and getting cleaning some ideas from it. Here's a question from Homeric. Homeric. Right. Oh, it says, thanks for a great show with a lot of information. I saw your 103rd show, and I am just setting up an Unraid server using three existing 250 gigabyte hard drives. I feel that I will fill the capacity very shortly. Oh, uh, yes. What made the best cost-effective path to increase the capacity change the parity? Is that right? Or change yes. or add more drives? Parity is what allows you to fail out a hard drive. So if mm-hmm. I have three hard drives, and in this case it's three 250 gig drives, mm-hmm. so if I'm doing that, I have 500 gigs of usable space, and the third 250, which brings it to, you would think would bring it to 750, mm-hmm. doesn't. It actually gives you 500 and then parity, and the parity drive is basically, it's a backup, okay. so to speak. Not a backup literally, but a backup as in it's a fail-safe. So if one drive fails, you can take fair. out that failed drive and put in a new one. Okay. Okay. So in a case like this, you've got 500 usable gigs. That's not a lot of space by today's standards. Uh, 500 episodes of Category 5. And we're coming up on 300. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've only got 200 episodes left and your drive is full. So what I would suggest is that, okay, Parity Drive always has to be the biggest drive in the array. Okay, this is Unraid. Uh, Lime Technologies makes it. We'll post a link in the show notes for episode number uh, 293. That's today. What's cool about Unraid, as you say, is that you're able to do it for free if you use three drives or less. Okay? So that's cool. Uh, I would encourage you to support them if you want to go a little bit higher, add a couple drives or whatever. But uh, as you say, it's, it's free, so it's great. Now, if you were to get the commercial version, you could simply add another drive. You get all the space of that drive, say, for example. In your case, you've got a bit of a catch-22 because your parity drive is exactly the same size as the other drives in the array. So in your case, you have to, in fact, replace two hard drives in order to get any more capacity out of that array. Reason being, as I said, the parity drive has to always be the biggest drive. So you need to take out that 250 gig parity drive and replace it with a one terabyte or a two terabyte drive. And you think, oh, well, that's going to give me more space. But it doesn't because it's only the parity drive. Okay? So it gives you no additional space. You're still stuck at 500 gigs. But then it opens you up to be able to take out another. Now, remember, we've, we've, we've taken out the parity drive. We've put in a new one terabyte drive, okay, say for the, for the example, and we've let it rebuild parity. It's done. Now your array is online and, and everything is hunky-dory. Now I can take out another 250 gig drive. Never take out two at a time because it's only single drive parity. And then we can put in another one terabyte drive. So now, magically, I have 1,250 gigabytes because I have a one terabyte parity drive, which is going to be as big as the, the largest drive in the, in the array. Um, and uh, then you've got a one terabyte plus a 250 terabyte. So now 1250 terabyte, uh, gigabytes, essentially. So hope that makes sense. So you have to replace two drives in order to get any more capacity out of that array, which is kind of unfortunate, but parity is all you know, you, you've got to have parity, and that's part of the beautiful thing about uh, Unraid. But if you get the commercial version, like I say, then you can just add another... I, I, you know, you could go up to five drives without any concern. I run, I think, seven or eight drives in my array. And uh, it, it's, it's nice when you have a bit of an assortment. In my case, I had a couple of 500s, a couple of 250s, a couple of one terabytes, kind of that kind of environment. So when I would buy another one terabyte, I would just pull out one of the one uh, one of the two fifties, and then I would get all the extra space, seven hundred fifty gigs. So, unfortunately, because your drives match, pardon me, you don't have that advantage yet. So upgrade two drives and then uh, go from there. I would say based on that, just take take from that and say you know find a good deal and get the biggest parity drive that you possibly can, be it two or three terabytes. That way you're never stuck in the same situation again. But you can always roll them down. I don't know. You know, if you had a one terabyte parity drive and a one terabyte data drive, you could always later replace the one terabyte parity drive with a three terabyte, pull out the 250 once it's paritied, and then take that one terabyte that used to be parity and put it in the place of the 250, 
and you'd have much more space. Why are you laughing? Because I'm not following. I'll I'll rewatch and write it down. Yeah, okay. Make notes. Make notes. Okay, it's basically like just this mess. It's like a puzzle. Yeah. Makes sense in this brain. All right. Uh, Last question. What? Wowzers. question from... I did know who... Oh, okay. Mihail. There Mihail. Hey, buddy. Hello, Robbie. My problem is that some time ago, my friends were my guests and enjoyed my internet. Some of them had oh, downloaded a movie without paying for it, and now I have Ooh. to pay a fine of 800 euros, but nobody recognizes who's responsible. Um, can mm. I somehow check which computer did this? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Seems like you should be able to. Just not that I know anything about it. You're looking at, you know, are you going to hire a private investigator and try <laughs> to figure this out? I mean, you can look for, do you know the file name? Do you know the MD5 sum? Do you know any of this stuff? But And is it legit? Like, are you seriously being charged 800 euro for... Probably if they went over a uh, usage. Like oh, a, is that a, Like a usage, I imagine. Oh, I thought so it was many, like a fine. So many it's gigabytes a, or... Is it a legal fine or is it just they went over the limit? Is that kind of the case? It just sounds like without That's paying for it, and now I have to pay a fine. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, because most likely they would have watched it and deleted it, right? So how do you... Hopefully you'd have honest friends, <laughs> you know? Who did it? It was me. Just sit them all down in a heated room. Yeah. Got a bright light. There you shine go. Shine in their eyes. They'll break. They will. Yeah. She's rough and tough, folks. You get Krista in there and, and she'll 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 break them. Yeah. Yeah. What would you suggest in a case like that? I really I don't know. Can you beg and plead for mercy? Because that's kinda silly. Maybe take it as a lesson mm-hmm. and I, I mean I've had life lessons like that where something's happened and and unfortunately it's either cost me a lot or it's it's damaged reputation or something. Yeah. And it's not my fault, but sometimes you just got to take it in stride and just learn from it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot of euro to be spending for nothing. Yeah, I had roommates who used to do that, and they'd go over our designated usage, and then you get charged on the extra usage. Yeah, and it's pretty high, especially like if you're using a cell phone or something. You know, People will use yeah. a cell phone and, and not realize how much their bandwidth is costing when they share it to their friend's laptop mm-hmm. to give them internet access, and it's like... Wow. Sorry, bud. Not really sure. Not really sure what to tell you. Dave Maydew, of course. <laughs> of course. You guys see that? There you go. You just happened to have a light pen on you. A light pen. An E-set light pen with the stylus built in. Cool stuff. Decent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smartantivirus.ca. You, you go order it. A, a, li- a sizable license, and I'll send you a pen. How's that? <laughs> How's that? I'll, I'll I'll gimmick. You know, you want to you know, send me a donation that will help us to get the renovations done to get the new studio put together, and we'll we'll send An you exchange for we'll a send pen. you an ESET pen with the built-in flashlight and the built-in stylus, which is kind of cool. This was great in the winter because you you use your phone. And and oh, you rea- yeah. you don't realize that if you got to take your glove off, it's like <laughs> yeah. But this you just you've got your gloves on and you can use the stylus. Oh, that's smart. Kind of smart. Yeah. yeah. Usually I just I don't bother. I just go. Oh, I'll text like, my friends later. I'll I'll email him later, and then three weeks later she's forgotten to email back. Not that that's ever happened. That might be based on a true story. <laughs> Dave Maydew thinks that that's bribery, <laughs> and to that I say, yeah, yeah, that's that's. That's but bribery. is it bribery if the result is positive? Like you get this awesome. I don't know. I mean, this is a great antivirus. show. This is a really good show. Yeah, you can buy the antivirus. I, I, you you enjoy the show every week. It's a win-win. You get the antivirus. We're, you get the. We're pen. not charging you for this stuff. I mean, so you know, it's good slip stuff. a couple grand in our account. <laughs> send you a pen. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dave. Bitcoins, I don't even, I wouldn't know how to accept Bitcoins, and they'll be worth half of what they are today, tomorrow. So, that'd be scary. That's gambling with your money right there. Thanks, everybody. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's it for the show. I can't believe, we actually got through all the questions. We did. That was all of them. That's amazing. 
Thanks, folks, for sending them in. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who's listening on Category 5 Radio tonight and on TPN uh, Radio as well. Yes. Uh, very exciting. Uh, also, who you are joining us on our Google Hangout. Uh, we're going to actually be there chatting with you after the show. So if you're on Google+, Plus, make sure you go to our Hangout. You can get there by the link at cat5.tv slash g+. And that's spelled out P-L-U-S. We stick around for about 15 minutes following the show to have a quick chat with our viewers. So, really cool. Alrighty. That's it. What's the square root of pi? I don't know. Yeah. Is there an answer to that? Is that like 3 point? Well, 3 point. Oh, pi is pi. Is pi. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I knew that. Right. Thanks for being here, Krista. Well, you know. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for putting up with me. fun. Nice to get through some of those questions. Thank you for sending them in. Email us this week, live at category5.tv. Uh, make sure you check out that new feature that I was showing you earlier on our website, category5.tv, so that you can send out links and tweet them and post them on Facebook. And There you go. Thanks, everybody. Uh, make sure you stick around after the show. We are going to be on our Google Hangout. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we will talk to you there. Take care. Have a great week. Enjoy the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.